Coming to your galaxy, June 23rd, 2023. Star Wars, a KOTOR story. Bastila, part one. Strike. A handful of Jedi made it through. Lord Revan must be their objective. Brace for impact. Why isn't Shan using her battle meditation? Let's remind the Jedi what happens when the weak seek to match metal with the Dark Lords of the Sith. Sir, from the surviving officer's reports, Lord Revan has gone down with the ship. He's still alive. We are the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars under the Twin Suns. The question is what choice? Rebellions are built on hope. Make ten men feel like a hundred. I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. All right, welcome back to our KOTOR 2 companion journeys. We have made our way through pretty much the whole crew of uh of the Evan Hawk on our second uh, trip around here everyone's come on board to help meet Tresuric on their on their journey but uh we forgot someone uh Cassia and I don't know if we really forgot them because we're doing these in twos and there's a there's an odd number of companions so one was going to get left out um and unfortunately uh that someone was uh Mandalore uh in our story but that's okay because I think that this ties in pretty good uh, Cassius, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to stick with me. So today we're gonna be talking about Candorus. We're gonna be talking about um, two of our villains, Darth Sion and Darth Nihilus. Um, and the way that I look at this is they were all three at some point, uh, kind of enemies of our of our protagonist, Mitra Surik. Oh, that is interesting. I I didn't really think of that. Yeah, and that's how I'm justifying putting these three together uh, here for our KOTOR two companion journeys. So, uh, yeah, we've got we've got the two Sith Lords. You know, obviously we're fighting them in the game. Then um, we also have uh, Mandalore, uh, Candorus, um in the game as well, but uh, not fighting him anymore. Uh, Candorus is, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say come to his senses, right? But he's uh, he's going to let bygones be bygones. He's he's appreciated the fact that Revan was good at fighting, and he appreciates that Mitra Surik is pretty stand-up. He's going to help us on our way. Uh, but but who is uh, Mandalore? What do we know about this uh, this character when we go to Duxon and uh, meet this guy? So I don't believe that Mandalore the Preserver, he never takes his helmet off, but I think there is like a, in the within the game, you can kind of like, there is data for um, Candorus without his helmet, and he's never mm -hmm. actually, I don't think he's ever actually named as Candorus, but like, he is Candorus, you know? Um, <laughs> right, yeah. And like, in KOTOR 1, like, Candorus was not like a standout character for me, but like, kind of with the context of KOTOR 2, I think he has one of the more interesting arcs in the KOTOR saga that I think he benefits from being in KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2 and kind of like having uh, a foot in the backstory of KOTOR. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned, yeah, he, he's kind of just coming along for the ride, basically, um, in KOTOR 1, right? He 
he basically uses us to get off the planet and decides to decides to go with us. He's uh, definitely more pivotal in KOTOR 2. And then I I would say, I don't know how you feel, but I think that uh, Candorous is the highlights of the Revan novel, uh, for sure, in my eyes, at least anyways. Um, and, you know, that novel, I guess, gives us a little bit of insight as to how uh, Candorous got got to rule back over uh this uh this tribe of mandalorians so uh mandalore the preserver um which i guess is a is a pretty good name um because i think he's kind of preserving the uh the factions and reuniting uh the mandalorians the different uh kind of kind of sects and uh tribes and and stuff like that i guess but uh who is Candorous? uh human uh from mandalore uh fought in the mandalorian wars of course and then uh after after they lost the war to uh darth revan and uh, crew. Uh, I went to be a mercenary on Terrace. Um, eventually, like I said, uh, jumps on the Ebon Hawk before the planet blows up, uh, goes with Revan and uh, goes off with him in the novel to go find uh, go find that mask, gets it, puts it on and boom. Uh, now we're into uh, KOTOR uh, 2 timeline um, and uh, Ordo, at least, is in canon now, the, the planet. Uh, so uh, maybe Candor's Ordo is one step closer to being canonized. I don't know for sure, but uh, Ordo <laughs> definitely is. And uh, yeah, so rolling, rolling Mandalorians on Duxon, and that's where we uh, basically crash land because because that's what the Evan Hawk does in KOTOR 2. It crash lands on uh, basically all the planets. So that's where we go. We meet him, and he's going to give us a safe passage to Onderon. Yeah, and even though, like in the menu it kind of shows like candorous more like on the dark side of things like i kind of think like he's kind of like the han solo of the kotor trilogy like in mm -hmm. a new hope you kind of just see like han is like self-interested he just worries about himself you know like solo um right. mm -hmm. but then you kind of like see there's more to han and he saves the day um and then like i kind of think like maybe it's not like explicit in the knights of the old republic game but i think he does kind of grow like and in our proposed movie adaptation that's never happening cinematic universe like kotor one uh we would kind of see um candorous's growth you know and mm -hmm. um what i like about his role in Knights of the Old Republic 2 is he's loyal to Revan. He's kind of able to overcome, like, the Mandalorian Wars and make peace with someone who was literally, like, leading the enemy. Like, and he's not the aggressor in KOTOR 2. He's just trying to save and preserve his people, and I think that's honorable. Yeah, and I think they do a really good job in KOTOR 2 of kind of, you know, showing uh Candorous as uh Mandalore the the preserver is um sort of this more uh peaceful character um you know of course it's a video game thing when you're on Duxin and you have to basically gain enough kind of favor with him that he's going to to fly you off of Onderon but I, I think that that's good it's kind of like uh kind of like a test of you know kind of the character of Mitra Surik right he's he's gone off he's he's shown his respect to Revan as kind of this warring uh, person but now that mandalore is you know, kind of through that phase of his life and he's taking on more of this you know uh this this uniter type of a role to see if mitra surik really you know has that capabilities in her right is she still just you know some person that's ready to go to war and wage wars and 
you know, blow up entire planets uh, full of people? Or, you know, has she, you know, kind of moved on as well? Is she really able to to be helpful and and unify? And I, I think that that is kind of a neat, um, obviously, like I said, game mechanism, but it's an interesting way to tell that tell that story and see how, um, you know, kind of kind of Candorus's journey is going to mesh with Mitra Surik's journey, so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting because like we see Candorus, like he kind of, um, I don't know, it, allies and then befriends, you know, make, maybe befriend is a strong word, but I kind of think he kind of comes to respect Revan and the exile like he is allied with them mm -hmm. uh, and it's like literally the only person he didn't ally with was Malik and like that was kind of like the triumvirate Mandalorian Wars was Revan Malik and the exile so mm -hmm. they allied with two of them so it it's just like the force is like let's let's play with Candras and see like and just like force him to cross paths with people who literally were his enemy. <laughs> right. Yeah. He keeps uh, bouncing around there. And um, yeah, you said, uh, you said it pretty well there. Um, you know, if it's like a, it's not necessarily like a friendship or kind of thing I have written down here, partnership um, is kind of the way uh, that I saw it. And uh, kind of the, kind of the role I think that he's playing in Mitra Surik's, uh, you know, hero heroine's journey is uh, as this kind of a symbol of, of partnership and of forgiveness. And um things right because you know they were they were at war and uh Mitra Surik is basically just running back across his path and and you know he's showing her um you know he's giving her aid and shelter and uh, able to forgive her and like I said giving her clear passage and then ultimately you know you know reunites these clans as Mandalore the preserver and uh comes back in then at the at the very end to uh basically help save the day help take out uh you know one of the other uh enemies and you know, really come to the aid of, of Mitra Zurich as, you know, kind of the Mandalorians and the, and the Jedi are able to, uh, come together, um, at the end after, you know, being at war for so long. So, um, I think that that's, that's pretty neat. And I think that that's a, a pretty good, uh, kind of, you know, character portrayal of Candorus, like you said, because we don't, we don't get a lot of, uh, his, his stuff in KOTOR 1. He's kind of the, kind of the forgotten ally, uh, through that section, at least, you know, kind of in my eyes, but here in KOTOR 2 plays a much more important role i think to our main character yeah he definitely has more of an arc in kotor and i kind of wonder like if kotor was ever adapted into like a movie or a trilogy like i kind of think they would have to borrow some of his arc from kotor 2 just to kind of make him more than one note one dimensional um and people love Mandalorians, you know, people are getting more familiar with them. So it would mm -hmm. be interesting to see kind of like the Mandalorians in a different uh, time in their history. So I think uh, storytellers would would have fun with that. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a, a lot of history and lore and things and, um, you know, able to build back up kind of this uh, this larger, you know, quote unquote, civilization of of Mandalorians and, you know, how spread out they were and how how warring they were and, you know, interfighting and stuff like that, I think would would be interesting to see um, adapted out. And what would be interesting to see adapted out, too, is what happens after uh, KOTOR 2. Um, I mentioned the Revan novel for uh, Candorus, but all that's all that stuff with him basically happens kind of in the and I guess in the lead up more or less to 
to Kotor too. So what do you what do you think he's getting up to uh, after the fact? Is he just is he going back to back to Mandalore, back to back to Duxon? Uh, what's what's he getting up to? Yeah, I kind of wish there was a Kotor three because I think they could have followed that through. Um, but I mean, like they're still Mandalorians, so I think he kind of succeeded in uh, kind of. Uh, reclaiming their former glory in their former home and uh, but not being the aggressors you know uh, just kind of preserving them you know uh, and I think maybe in the back of his mind even though I don't consider the Revan novel canon uh, uh, it's kind of like maybe in the back of his mind he'd, he'd always wonder uh, what happened to Revan you know but Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe he'd cross paths with, uh, you know, uh, Karth and Bastila and like, they would let bygones be bygones. Like they don't get, they're able to sometimes maybe get pie together. <laughs> that's, that's right. Absolutely. Uh, definitely going to get some, uh, pie together. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty close to what I had, um, here. I, I said that obviously is uh, going to be, you know, kind of rolling over Mandalore as these, uh, factors, factions start to come back together and and things like that so that's kind of obviously the the point where we're leaving him at this at the story um it's interesting to think about what the uh, mandalorians might do kind of then in a quote-unquote time of time of peace you know there are these these people of of war but it seems like you know maybe candorus can teach them uh new ways to not you know to not always be at war right to 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 be ready to go to war to be willing to go to war but to not go to war is kind of this great restraint and maybe that's uh that's what he's trying to preserve there is uh, uh mandalorian uh ways and cultures without you know necessarily uh throwing them uh right into the fire um speaking of fire i said that he's probably also off having uh barbecues with uh big z and mission uh somewhere maybe uh some besties i don't know uh doing some some stuff like that but i think you know Candorus is a uh, is a pretty fun time. Um, you made a really good kind of comparison to um, how he was portrayed. You know, similar maybe to to Han Solo, but you know, deep down, I think that uh, there's a lot of connection here between uh, Candorus and kind of the other members of the Ebon Hawk, both in Kotor and uh, Kotor too. So I think that he would be be a willing ally to come back to the aid of you know pretty much any of the characters in in time of need. Yeah, and like. I just kind of see him being like a really good friend with Juhani. So, which is something we talked about in our KOTOR cinematic adaptation. That's not happening cinematic universe. So yeah. <laughs> the, K the KCU, the KOTOR cinematic universe. Absolutely. But uh, there's one more important thing about Candorus that we need to uh, take care of before we move on uh, to uh, our two uh, dark Lords uh, here of KOTOR 2. Uh, what kind of pie is Candorus going to be getting? Uh, you know, journey is over. It's it's time to relax, uh, sit down, have have something good to eat. What do you think, Cassia? I had some feedback. Um, some people uh, said something hearty, like meat pie with steak. Like that kind of could seem and... like he'd barbecue, you know, like kind of have something like that has protein so we can like, you know, hit the gym, you know, and go to war. Uh or, you know, handle Nihilus's ship, you know? Because mm -hmm. I think he is programmed to to go to Nihilus's ship, like, no matter what, so. Yeah. Um, and then another person says, like, beef pot pie. 
uh, it's kind of a recurring theme. Um, yeah. But Dennis okay. said uh, Candorous would go for rhubarb, and I'm like, oh, that it's kind of like you kind of it's like a rule of thirds, you know, you expect like something needy, and then it's like rhubarb, and <laughs> okay. I, okay. I just thought it was funny. But for me personally, <laughs> I think Kotor too. Um, he'd be feeling more connected with his Mandalorian heritage and kind of like feeling like he's on track for his life's purpose, like which is uh kind of preserving Mandalorian culture. So I think he would be kind of making uh some Mandalorian uh meat pies like as a full meal. Okay. Yeah, some uh some ancient uh Mandalorian uh cookbook he finds when he found the helmet. Maybe there was like a recipe tucked inside of it and he uh, decided to make that. So I like that. I like that. Um, I said that, you know, Candorous is is a full-fledged uh, Mandalorian. He's got the got the helmet now. Um, you know, the armor would be very proud of him. He doesn't take it off during the entirety of the game. So we never get a good look at Candorous's face there. So uh, helmeted, it's going to be hard to eat a pie. So I'm going with a protein shake with a straw. Uh, that's how he's going to going to take it in. So, yeah, so he can he can hit the gym. He can still do all of the things. But but I do like maybe they're having some sort of uh, after they take over Nihilus's ship, maybe there is a uh, some like big Mandalorian uh, sort of Viking type uh, celebration, right, where the the meat is flowing and uh, pies are uh, being consumed. And yeah, hopefully there's some sort of delicious Mandalorian pie that I don't even know about. Hmm. Yeah, I, I demand a Mandalorian cookbook uh, that will intersect with the plot of Mandalorian season four. So yes. <laughs> yeah. that's right. Uh, cooking with Bo-Katan. Uh, yeah. So that is a uh, Candorous, a uh, uh, really good, really good ally, a uh, former, former enemy turned ally, but this is a, an enemy turned, turned enemy, but it's one that we're going to spare. And I think that that is pretty good. And that is Darth Sion. So Cassia, what do we know about Darth Sion? Uh, so he is like, I think he's kind of like older, like he's a Sith that like, I think fought with Exar Kun and stuff. And like, he just kind of learned how to, uh, turn his pain into gains, you know, (laughs) kind of quoting, uh, Thor 11 Thunder there, but it's kind of like a negative version of that, you know, Mm, where it's like. He's so afraid to die, which is kind of like what Sith are. It's like they're afraid because uh, they, they're they kind of selfish and they want to hold on to the physical side of things, but they kind of mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. understand the full picture like the Jedi do, like and Jedi turn into Force ghosts, you know? Um, but what he did is turn himself into a zombie. Like, it's like... He gets stabbed through the heart like he's still alive, you know, so he he's very freaky. He is very freaky. Yeah, uh, Darsion, a.k.a. the Lord of Pain. Uh, he was a Sith Marauder who fought for Exar Kun's uh, Sith Empire in the Sith War. So good call there on that one. Uh, he was struck down. Uh, still still lives on, I guess. Uh, he also uh, was on Korriban and fought uh alongside of Revan and Malik, but when uh, that fell, uh, so so did he. And then uh, next up was the uh, Triumvirate here with uh, Darth Freya and uh, Darth Nihilus. So yeah, Sion has been around for a long time, um, but always seems to be always seems to be kind of the follower and never 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 the leader in these groups, right? Following Exar Kun, following uh, Revan and Malik, and then 
uh, ultimately really following uh, Darth Treya, who kind of takes him on as uh, an apprentice and then uh, becomes one third of this wing. But you never really got the got the feeling, at least I didn't, that Darth Sion was really up to the same level as uh, Nihilus and uh, Treya here uh, within the Triumvirate. Yeah, Sion reminds me of Malak a bit. It's kind of like he's more of the brute. He's kind of like the hammer rather than the scalpel, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like a blunt instrument. Um, and then, yeah, like, he kind of is a tragic figure. He's been alive for so long, but, like, really, like, what is his purpose? What is, is he, like, creating, like, Sith prophecies or doctrine? Like, it kind of just seems like he is so afraid of, like, letting go that he's like literally like a flesh and blood zombie you know mm. and just kind of like hurting other people he's not really building things he's kind of just destroying things um we kind of see him like throughout the game kind of like he's the sith we see first uh like on the harbinger do we see him on um Paragus as well or is it just mostly like the harbinger um i th i believe we just see him on the harbing harbinger i don't think we see him actually on on Paragus. we see him there um because that's and then you know craig goes off to fight him and and loses uh her arm there in that fight but we never really see that so we don't really know how that goes down and i think to my knowledge you know at least to kind of doing some some research on this basically uh that was uh Kraya saying to to leave this leave this alone <laughs> you know she's she's mine uh for me to deal with uh you get out of here but uh cyan always seems kind of tormented uh by that and i don't know if it's because of of him feeling like he's under the kind of the influence of kreia uh slash treya or that he really just doesn't like mitrasuric or or what that is or if it's just you know the the anguish of keeping himself alive uh, through all this time is uh, getting, getting the best of him. But yeah, he pops up, pops up a couple of times and they uh, the first time there on the uh, Harbinger. Yeah. It's kind of like um, in season one of Avatar, the last airbender. Um, it kind of seems like Nihilus is uh, the Zhao, Admiral Zhao, uh, but uh Prince Zuko is a little bit like the scion. Um, so it's kind of like you see Zuko a bit more, but he's not really the big bad of that season. You mm -hmm. know, uh, I guess that makes Kraya the Fire Lord, I think. But um, oh. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I love that. Kraya the, Kraya the Fire Lord. That sounds pretty intense. I love it. I love it. Um, so yeah, Dark Scion. So what kind of journey do you think that they have? Um, here you mentioned you know that we see him kind of first there at the harbinger i think we see him again on uh Korriban and then ultimately at the at the trey academy on on malachor um do you think that scion has any sort of sort of journey throughout this uh because he is interesting in the fact that we do get to have some dialogue with them which is not something that you're always getting uh with your villains yeah um i think his arc I'm saying arc in quotes, like, was a little trimmed down uh, because they kind of just had to get KOTOR 2 out when it did. So, like, maybe he would have had a little bit more of a complete story um, in, like, the full KOTOR 2. 
the modded version. Um, mm -hmm. But he's kind of like, you know, kind of like when you have like lots of characters in something, like sometimes one isn't developed as as much. And I think like Sion kind of suffers from that. But um, he, he kind of has a little bit of an arc where it's like, I think he kind of like, I think he's still allied with the dark side, but he does die. Like, in a way, I think he is kind of accepting death, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, like, he does kind of have, like, a weird fixation on the exile. Like, he's like, I think you're beautiful. Like, kind of like the Phantom of the Opera with Christine and uh, probably the exile is like hitting the panic button, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> right. shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> shut, but... it, shut it down. <laughs> so uh, what do you see his arc as? Yeah, not, not a ton of arc. Um, yeah. You, you definitely have kind of that, that weird infatuation that he has um, with Mitra Surik as you, as you go through and you have kind of these interactions um, with him. And like I said, I don't know if that stems as much as, as he's just very, uh, you know into her even though she's uh, not that into him um or if it's it's stemming from kind of this this feeling of um inadequacy towards you know kind of kind of his master or mentor um you know has taken a, a keen eye to to Mitra Surik. so maybe it's it's a bit of jealousy you know he's he has given up a lot he's you know basically been under kind of the kind of underneath of you know three different uh sets of uh Sith uh, lords, I guess, as it were, um, to you know be passed over again, and you know he's holding on to all of this pain and all this rage just to keep himself alive, and he just keeps kind of being you know put to the back burner. So maybe it's maybe it's part of that. Maybe he maybe he sees uh, some of what he gave up when you know when he first fell and decided to hang on to that anger. Maybe um, maybe he sees uh, some jealousy or resentment or admiration in Mitra Surik from from that stance, because I suppose Mitra Surik could have gone down a very similar path as Darcyon, you know, if she really kind of let the rage and pain from what she did uh, get the best of her. Um, so I think that that's what Darcyon kind of represents to her. He's, he's symbolizing, you know, the need to, to forgive yourself. You know, if you, if you do bad things, you can't keep holding on to that. You have to have to forgive yourself and be able to move on. So I think that's really kind of the journey that Zion is going on. It's kind of this uh, self-discovery and, um, you know, being able to, like I said, forgive yourself and and move on. You can't dwell on the things that you did wrong. You can only try to try to make them right and do them right the next time. Yeah, in a college textbook adaptation, I would like like a whole lot of like literary and character analysis on kind of like what you said. You know, so yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, Darcyon uh, ends up, you know, uh, succumbing to uh to his fate there uh, he finally is able to to let go of kind of that pain and anguish and uh you know leave his uh his mortal body uh we don't know if he moved on in any sort of sense to uh any kind of light side thing probably not i think he's just uh just able to to move on to uh give up the uh the ways of the sith and uh let him let himself go and be at peace which i think is is nice uh for uh, for him to be able to move on but uh before uh that final confrontation maybe after he left Korriban he went back onto his ship and he said I should probably have a piece of pie on my way to Malachor uh so what kind of pie do you think that Darcyon had on his way to our final encounter um 
here was some feedback I got. Someone said Scion doesn't eat. Okay. Uh, someone says uh, Darth Scion would like Oreo. I'm like, you know what? Interesting. Like, I could maybe see that. Like, it's a good flavor. Kind of have some light and darkness in it. Like, um, and then someone said, oh, as Dennis said, uh, Scion would go for pecan. Um, okay. I struggled with this. I kind of remember my dog and it's like sometimes I would have the razor like my my razor like in the bathroom mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. sometimes I would find my my dog like chewing on the razor and licking it and it's like what? Ooh. Like <laughs> is this not destroying your tongue or your teeth or your gums and it's like somehow no but like kind of <laughs> I was like, would Darcyon like kind of just like lick a knife and like imagine a symphony mm. or a flavor or I don't know. So I'm just going to go no. with what I like, which is Oreo. Um, okay. And just hope that he wouldn't like chew on knives or something. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's what uh, Atten says. Uh, Mister plays with vibrosaurs or something. They call them right or vibro knives. Yeah, vibro blades. Sleeps with knives or something. Yeah, something like that. So, uh, so, so two things. So maybe your dog is like the the dog lord of pain. Uh, that's that's oh. kind of amazing. I, I like that. I like that. Oh. Um, I like I like the uh, I like the Oreo pie because now I'm imagining that like Darcyon is like the cookie parts of the Oreo, and that his pain is that cream filling. Uh, in the middle that's holding it together. So an Oreo is literally uh, a cookie of pain, I think, guess maybe. So I like that. Um, I said that Darcyon is having some lemon pie because uh, it's because it's sour. Um, so he's going to have that, you know, it's just like the pain. Uh, he's having a, a sour pie. But then when he, you know, lets go and lets himself go, maybe it can turn into a lemon meringue pie. Get a little bit of uh, sweetness there onto it. As, after he's able to to let go of his uh of his being sad all the time and in pain so uh that is Darcyon, which leaves us with our next big bad uh that is everyone's favorite coolest mask in the game maybe i don't know uh for sure but that is darth nihilus cassio what do we know about darth nihilus um everyone loves his mask um it is an iconic mask um it was funny because when I was first playing KOTOR 2, um, my my dad saw the, the cover for KOTOR 2 and was like, this looks satanic. And I'm like, no, it's just like Star Wars. It's just like a different mask. It's kind of like iconic based upon, you know, kind of like no face, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Isn't that... Oh, it's not Howl's Moving Castle. Spirited Away, right? Uh, Yeah spirited away yeah yep. so uh, the story for darth nihilus is that he was on malachor i believe and he's kind of like a mirror a uh, reverse mirror like a mimesis of the exile because uh, when um when the mass shadow generator went off it like killed a lot of people the exile survived but um they kind of became a wound in the force and like uh Darth Nihilus was a bit like that, um, where it's just like he was empty and he just needed to consume the force to survive. And that's kind of where the meme comes from, where it's like he ate a planet, you know, um, mm -hmm. he just has to consume, you know, 
And that's kind of like maybe like it kind of reminds me of like Kronos from Greek mythology, like the Titan Kronos, like mm -hmm. time consumes everything, you know, like maybe this is like a dark instance of the force. It's like it consumes everything, like it leaves death in its wake, you know, um, eventually Darth Nihilus like uh, comes across the lone survivor of uh, the planet Qatar, uh, who is Visa Smar and kind of like, Stockholm syndrome's her into like becoming his Sith apprentice, you know, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, eventually Visus Mar allies herself with um, the exile, and the exile um, comes onto the Ravager uh, with with Visus Mar and uh, Candrus Ordo, and in my mind they succeed. I don't want Visa Smart to sacrifice herself anymore. I'm like, you can live for yourself and be happy, okay? Like, go to a beach, have fun, have pie, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Live a live a good life. You deserve it, you know. And like, so I don't really know if like Nihilus has an arc, which is why like in an adaptation, whether it's a textbook or a movie or a TV show, like I would probably nerf Nihilus, like. And upset mm. like some of the major fanboys, you know, and be like, yeah. yeah, mask is cool, but you know what else is cool? A character and dialogue and character arcs. So I don't really yeah. know what his character arc is, but <laughs> but he dies. Uh and that's he, kind of a uh <laughs> He does. Yeah. That's a that's an arc. I guess it well, it's it's like a straight line, straight to straight to dead. Um yeah, yeah, Nihilus is I want to I want to say is interesting because I don't I don't really think that Nihilus is that interesting. I do think that his mask is pretty cool. I I do think that it is a cool mask. Um, yeah. But I I kind of think that it's interesting that there's some like mirror image of Mitra Surik out there, right? Because they both basically survived kind of this explosion more or less, and he became, um, you know, kind of kind of this wound in the Force who basically just had this like ravenous hunger uh, for the Force, which was going to you know basically he he could snuff it all out he was going to just keep doing it until it was all all gone whereas Mitra Surik you know kind of was on the other side and she's you know through through the story you know at least that we're playing if you play the light side uh play through trying to basically uh restore the force and preserve it so they're kind of like flip sides of the coin in that sense um uh to, to the best of my knowledge I think Nihilus was found um by Darth Treya um and you know, recruited to join kind of this this triumvirate. So even though it was uh, threefold, uh, really it's it's Treya that's kind of pulling the strings on Sion and pulling the strings on Darth Nihilus. I mean, she even you know sets him up basically to go uh, start the bombardment of uh, Telos, which gets us to our our final battle. Is she's willing to do that? So I think he's he's kind of a, a pawn for her, and she's using him as a tool basically to get to get rid of the Force uh, in the in the galaxy, which is you know one of kind of her ultimate goals there um before turning her attention on to uh Mitra Surik. Um yeah, so so we meet him uh on board a ship in Telos and that's 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 about it. Uh you see Darth Nihilus a couple of times in the game, uh just from the command center of that and you just get the get the vibe that he's uh not particularly good. But I don't think that he has any sort of um you know kind of impact on Mitra Surik's role really. It's more of a 
uh, character that it introduces us to Visas Mar and gives her um, a little bit more of an arc to go through. Um, you you brought up the good point that you would maybe maybe nerf him from from a uh, from an adaptation, you know, be it uh, whatever the adaptation would be. Um, I think maybe I don't know that you have to have to nerf him. I think maybe maybe Darth Nihilus and the and the mask could be more of like a of like a symbol than an actual person. Yeah. Uh, maybe, um, maybe that, that works a little bit, bit better. I mean, I understand, you know, cause you know, hashtag video games. So you have to have some kind of, kind of next, you know, big bad that you're, that you're fighting, but yeah, I don't, the story within KOTOR 2 for Nihilus is, is really pretty thin other than, uh, it's pretty cool. And I don't know if that was a, a fact of stuff that got, got cut from the game and the kind of the rush process to it. But yeah, it was just never a character that I really, uh, kind of, you know, I identified with or got a lot out of uh, their story here. So not a lot to say. And what do they do after KOTOR 2? Nothing because dead. Uh, but what about uh, what about pies? You know, uh, when you're when you're done, you know, eating entire planets worth of uh, force energy, when you, you know, capture Visus Mar and you tell her that she's your Sith apprentice now, uh, maybe you two sit down after a day of, you know, pillaging uh, planets uh, for uh, some some pie or some dessert. What is what Starth Nile is going to have? What do you think, Cassia? Um, Marcus says just drains the flavor out of everything. The worst sampler in an ice cream sh- or pie shop. <laughs> Which I'm like, yeah. Uh, and someone's like, Darth Nihilus raspberry, and hmm. interesting. Okay. And then uh, Dennis said, Nihilus, any and all the pies, as long as there's 38 of them. And I was like, isn't that Baskins and Robbins thing? Ha ha. And he's like, I think that's 31. Actually, I changed my answer to 31 because of that. I'm like, maybe Dr. (laughs) Pepper is 38. So if you learn anything, I'm not really a Dr. Pepper person. So, Mm. um, yeah. But I guess, like... He kind of had an arc as in like he lived, he lived in quotes, he ate and then he died. Um, I kind of <laughs> just see him as Darth beyond Nihilus. pies. He ate and he died. Yep. You see him beyond pies. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, elaborate. What does that mean? No dessert for him. He would, oh. he only wants to eat the force, you know, <laughs> maybe if there's a force, like a force flavor, he would eat that. Like in pie form, but I don't know. What do you What do you see? <laughs> no pie for me, thanks. Full on the force. I uh, love that. Um. Uh. Yeah. So on my little note sheet, I said force pie? Question mark. Is that a kind of pie? I don't know. Maybe he would eat every pie. Uh. Because he just has an an uh unsalvageable hunger. Um. Maybe maybe if you are maybe if you're one with the force, right? Um, yeah. maybe when you're baking a pie, maybe some force like, uh, gets into it. Like you're like, you're making it, or maybe if you're using the force to bake the pie, like to mix your ingredients or something, maybe it gets a little bit of like, uh, of, uh, force energy in there. So you have to eat, eat every pie just to make sure you get it all. Uh, I don't know. Darth Nihilus probably doesn't eat any pie. Yeah, he'd have to take his mask off and we don't know what he looks like under there. So maybe he doesn't, maybe he's not even like a person anymore after the mash. There's nothing generator. there. 
He's nothing just a there. Mask. It's just it's just a spirit and a mask, and maybe that's where we should leave it uh, in No Pie. So uh, I don't know. Let us know at home if you think Candorus or Dr. Scion or Darth Nihilus have a perfect pie flavor, or if we're totally off the off the mark here. If Darth Nihilus has a really sweet uh, character arc, please tell us that because I would love to love to know what it is <laughs> for sure. But uh, I don't know. Those that's our that's our last kind of companion jersey before. Jersey. I, I've said that twice. That was our last uh, companion journey uh, here before we get into the big hitters of Kreia and then uh, the the final one of Mitra Zurich. But I think I think this was this was fun, and I always like going through these and analyzing the characters a little bit. So, uh, what do you think, Cassie? Do you have any parting thoughts here on our on our enemies turned friends slash enemies slash uh, potential love interests, Darcyon? Um. It would be cool to see an expanded uh, story for him. Um, but I mean, sometimes when you have more than one villain, like I think Kreia's the main villain, you know, like so her side posse or Scion and Nihilus, even though they don't hang out anymore, you know, so mm. is the real deal. I don't really understand Kreia, though. So we'll try to cover her, you know, in her all of her ineffableness, you know, in the future. That's right. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, let us know what you think about this uh, companion journey, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. The Old Republic podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at DennisSMowersMusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.